0: Hello, hello, hey up, what's up, what's good, que cosa succede, ni hao, privyette, welcome to the Any Given Runway show, I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green, Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world, everyone has a story, each person a scholar, we have a great show for you today with an extraordinary guest, professional photographer and sailor, Vernon Deck, born in New Zealand, Vernon school early and spent two years backpacking around australia and it was during this time that he first started taking photos following several years of part-time photography in 2000 vernon decided to make the jump into being a full-time freelance photographer since then he hasn't looked back building up his skill set client network and business skills to the point where international clients depend on him for their imagery needs vernon has a great reputation for conceptualizing planning and producing what his clients wish for vernon specializes in outdoor on-location photography and has traveled to over 50 countries for different clients over the years He integrates well into different environments, deals well with discomfort and uncertainty, and consistently challenges himself to be the best that he can be. His photos have been printed on the covers of countless magazines worldwide and have used for many international advertising campaigns. Over the years, some of his clients include Volcom, Red Bull, Quicksilver, Audi, Nike, Monster, Roxy, and many more. On today's episode, Vernon discusses that Australian trip and why it was such a monumental time in his life. Vernon also discusses the mindset he had when he decided to make the leap into being a full-time photographer and how he had to have confidence in himself especially when it comes to setting the prices for his work and finally vernon talks about his youtube channel sailing is, is another passion project of vernon's and his current channel has over 20,000 subscribers amazing conversation with vernon i learned so much and He has a great personality. Artistically speaking, his photographs are unrivaled. I love his action shots, but I think he flourishes best in winter locations because some of the photos he's taken of the European Alps are breathtaking. And on top of that, his sailing channel is such a wealth of resources for anyone interested in sailing. I love that he uses the channel as another way to express his creativity. Thrilled for everyone to meet him, so let's go ahead and bring on photographer and sailor, Vernon Deck, and let's learn. Where the heck are you? That's my first question. Where are you currently right now? Because you're always traveling around. So where are you right now? Well, right
1: now I'm sitting in um, an apartment in my brother's house in Grindelwald in Switzerland. Most people probably know Interlaken, maybe, Jungfraujoch, north face of the Eiger. It's a big climbing place. I'm up there right now. Beautiful little town looking straight up at these huge mountains.
0: Pretty nice. Fantastic. So it's one of the best locations on earth I've read that it was your experiences backpacking in Australia that actually first inspired you to take photos. So what were those days like and why do you feel that that inspired you so much?
1: Yeah, well, obviously it did start back then because I'd never had a camera before I started backpacking in Australia and uh, never really been interested in photography, but it, it was then and it was just pure luck really. I just came, yeah, you a know, camera came into my hands basically and uh, they were amazing times back then, you know, like I guess most people sort of, I don't know, my age maybe, you look back, oh, they were so great times. But it, it really was, you know, like I came from a small town in New Zealand and, and just, well, it was my first international travel and by myself, I think I was 16 maybe, I dropped out of school and uh, I was just exposed to people from like every day, you know, from different parts of the world and different languages. And. Girls and uh, just everything, you know. It was just a big melting pot of fun, and uh, yeah, no, it was by myself. It was my first trip without parents, you know. Everything was just great, and um, it just sort of seemed natural to try and document it in some way. Um, obviously, this was twenty years before social media, so I wasn't sharing as mm. I was going, and it was all you know, it was analog camera and everything. But it just felt, I don't know, to me, it felt nearly. Too much there was nearly too much input and too much I was experiencing too much to not doc I was just afraid I would forget things probably and that's sort of how it started. Um yeah. Just sort of went from there, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I'm curious how much did you spend in, in the big cities in Australia and how much was it out in the country?
1: Uh well I've never been a city guy to be honest. Uh I get a bit confused in cities and uh I, I really like to be able to be by myself and walk somewhere and you know, I mean, I quite like, you can be pretty anonymous in cities, you know, I quite like that, but really in short, like three, four days is my sort of comfort zone in big cities. Um, But I, you know, I worked in Sydney for a little while, um, Brisbane as well, a little while, but it was really just because it was easy to get a part-time job, save a bunch of money. And then basically I used to work three months and then go traveling three months or until my money ran out again. So it was easy to find a job. Well, you know, just that the amount you could earn in a short amount of time in a city and also save was better than in a country town or something. So I'd, I'd basically go out and enjoy the small places, go to the beaches and things like that when I, had, when I was on holiday, basically, or when I was traveling, and then I'd uh, you know, go to the cities to earn money. It was more of a necessity, really, the cities. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was just there to earn money and, and then go and enjoy it afterwards.
0: Pursuing a passion project can be challenging. And it could be also daunting in the sense. Of, so how did you develop the confidence needed to transition into photography full time?
1: Well, to be honest, I was never daunted by it. I was excited by, it, you know, like, um, yeah, it was just, I thought I'd get the, I just sort of got the feeling at that stage that most people sort of thought what I was trying to do was a bit impossible. You know, I didn't take photography classes. I didn't come from an artistic background. You know, my family was uh, not doing that sort of thing. And so I just sort of had this feeling that uh, it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't given to me. And so it was all exciting and every move was a new move because I hadn't done it before. I hadn't learned it. I was just learning as, as I was going along and uh, I sort of feel from a young age, I was never going to do the safe route, the the way that the school system and parents mostly sort of funnel you into this. Well, the world needs a lot of IT guys at the moment. So everyone should go and learn that or we need nurses or doctors and, and sort of I I never felt I was going to take part in that sort of thing. And um, I really never liked authority as in teachers or police, obviously, but uh, I never had many problems with them. But I just like to do my own thing and make my own mistakes and uh, learn, learning by doing, you know, it's my, my YouTube channel now, but it was always my, my way of doing things. And um, yeah, I was never daunted by it. It was probably a bit naive maybe, but I just sort of figured if I keep trying and, and uh just keep doing it, keep banging my head against the wall, keep knocking on doors and things, and, uh, and keep improving. I'm going to get there. And I was uh, I just, just uh, took it sort of day by day and just kept pushing, I guess.
0: Uh, I can't tell you how much I admire that the pragmatic approach of yours, like that, just learning by doing. And it's amazing to me how many people that I talk to, especially artists who did not have that formal teaching and training background, and I love it, and it's, it's, just, it's just incredible to hear that from you. You're drawn, I know you mentioned you're not a big city guy, you're drawn to outdoor locations, you're drawn to to water, snow-covered locations, and because of that, I think that was probably why you moved to Switzerland, one of the greatest locations for the outdoors and snow and water. So what was it about Switzerland that inspired you to move there?
1: Well, I grew up on the beach in New Zealand, And next to a river, so I was always comfortable in the water scenario. And yeah, you're you're not quite right with moving to Switzerland. I moved to Switzerland I was following a girl. Oh, um, another great reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, You know, I love Switzerland. I've become a Swiss citizen in the last, you know, I feel more Swiss now. I've I've lived my whole adult life or sort of been based loosely in Switzerland my whole adult life. Um, But it sort of could have been anywhere, to be honest. I mean, it turned out to be great. But I'd never snowboarded before I went there. I was deeply into photography, but I, I learned to snowboard uh, once, you know, I was in Switzerland just because I saw, well, this is something right up my alley because it's not a structured sport like football, like shooting football or Formula One or anything like that. It's pretty boring as a photographer. You don't have a say in what happens really. You're just sort of documenting everything. And the, the, the freestyle, the board sport, surfing, skating, snowboarding, things like that it's it's really like the athletes make their money off filming and taking photos with people you know so it's really like you're working together to create something it's not just me taking photos of that guy doing something you know we can go up at sunset and wait for the perfect light and things like that so that's what drew me to it and yeah like that's why I started to follow the snowboard thing and really try and make it happen there and yeah I mean it it could have literally been anywhere in the world you know I was just on a mission to try and experience. I was, uh, well, I, was I was 17 or 18, maybe no, maybe I was 19 when I came to Switzerland the first time. And uh, yeah, I just followed along, you know, I was just on a mission to try and, ex- you know, like experience as much as I could. And it was just the the route led that way. You know, it's one of those things.
0: You can't really plan it and it's just worked out really good. It worked out really good. No matter what it is, if you end up in Switzerland for whatever reason it was, I think it was a win-win in the end. You mentioned how you go out and you wait for and you document these activities, especially something like snowboarding. makes me wonder, how is it that you actually do make a living? And then as a professional photographer, how is it? And again, I think this is something that you mentioned. You didn't like necessarily the traditional route. So it probably is a lot of you having to get out there and hustle. So how how do you make a living constantly? Um,
1: Yeah, it's a pretty good question. Uh, Creatives, there's no unions or, you know, there's no no. set sort of, and we don't talk amongst ourselves about how much and (laughs) things like that. So it's a bit of a sort of gray area. And, you know, as I was coming up, it's one of those sort of things like, do I ask for this much and maybe scare someone off? Or if I I sort of figured out early on, though, that oftentimes, you know, you sort of think, oh, maybe that's too much. But then I sort of would always, what my head told me to do, I would then double it Ah. and say, this is what I'm going to ask for because I can – because you sort of always undervalue yourself, right? Like, well, I don't know, I always did. It's sort of like, I'm living a great life and this is sort of a bonus if I get paid for it, sort of, you know? And so I always sort of doubled what my instincts said because you can always come down. And what I've realized through doing that is that if you ask for more, it actually shows the client that you really value yourself or like you value what you do. Whereas if you go in with a low offer, you might be the cheapest guy, but then they sort of think, well, he doesn't really think that much of himself, so maybe his job's not that—you know—maybe his skills aren't that good either, you know. So I sort of, sort of figure that out. It's like you're often better off to ask a lot more, and then you can always come down. But at least they respect you for respecting yourself. Um, and yeah, I've been lucky enough to be—I've been under contract with a clothing company from the, from California called Volcom since yeah. 2006. It's um, a Volcom and that's, shirt
0: you got on, isn't it?
1: Yep. <laughs> and a hat and, and a hat and too. <laughs> love yeah, love it. I I've I haven't actually been shopping for clothes since 2006. <laughs> That's pretty cool because <laughs> I don't like shopping either, so I have to win. It <laughs> 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 comes straight to my door. I order it online and it comes to my door. But um no, it's a great brand, and I um, I mean I've got a lot. I, you know I owe a lot to Volcom. They've, they've never hooked me up for like okay, here you go, five years contract. It's year to year, and I've had to prove myself or I've. Felt I've had to prove myself every year to qualify for the next year. And obviously, that's worked because they've kept kept me on. Um, and I'm still, you know, this, this year, even though, well, you know, the world's a pretty tough place to do business in at the moment. So they offered me another contract for 21, which I'm really, really happy about and grateful for. And that is sort of the backbone of my earnings for the last 15 years. You know, I can live off that. And then Volcom allow me time... Uh, to go and shoot other people as you know basically welcome they buy the right to my first rights to my time and if they don't need me this week then I can go and shoot for you know uh, Quicksilver or or Red Bull or Mercedes Benz or or whoever comes along and then these other clients they're more like the bigger earnings you know welcome sort of like they pay me a constant salary it's not a huge amount but it's enough for me to live and then the side deals I sort of get, they're like the more bigger things. And then during the last, I guess, six years now, since I've had my sailboat, I only shoot one winter. I used to shoot back to back winters and then, you know, I would earn a lot more money, but then, you know, I would have no time. So now I've got a pretty good balance. I sail on my boat for six months of the year and make videos and uh, shoot snowboarding during winter. So it works out pretty good. And, um, now I'm starting to make money off the YouTube channel, so that's also a bit of earnings. And I and I think as a creative, you, pretty much everyone's going to be the same, but you have many different income streams because you can't, you know, you don't really know what's happening next month or, or whatever. So you've got to have a lot of different income streams, whether it's selling prints or yeah. merchandise maybe or, you know, five or six different clients that come and go and things like that. But, yeah, I've been pretty lucky. Um, I had a few good years where I earned quite decent money and made some investments and uh definitely it's worked out better than i ever thought it would so I can't, <laughs> I can't complain
0: your pictures are amazing and they showcase some of the most spectacular locations on earth but when you're choosing a spot that you want to photograph on your own that's not through a contract or someone else just your own ones how do you choose those locations and and then with that i'm also curious how you stay unique because what you do quickly is there it's it's a very competitive field and When a photograph gets popular, it can easily spread and become viral. So, how do you make sure that you stand out?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty good question. Um, I mean, for quite a few years, I didn't really go on any trips uh, without having a job to do it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I spent probably ten years where I was just traveling eleven months of the year, uh, but it was basically to locations that I've been paid to go to, or or where clients have just said, "We need this and this," and given me a budget and then i can pick the best location to do that in whether it's okay in january or let's go to japan i mean you know that's in a great place to be in january to shoot anything in the snow um yeah i don't know like i it's it's a it's a you've got to weigh it up there are places in the world for all these sorts of sports that we do where you pretty much know you can go there the scenery is beautiful the conditions are going to be good at the time you go there logistics you know you can go there and you're pretty much you've got a high percentage chance of getting the job done for the client and we that's sort of the easy thing to do right you go to these places whether it's the north shore for surfers in hawaii or you know whatever um but what what excites me is going somewhere that i haven't been to and trying to shoot it's just a bit more of a higher risk because you don't know what you're going to get when you get there but the the inspiration and the you know the motivation is is much higher so you tend to create more unique work because you're shooting on the on the go a bit more but you're um yeah you're more free in in a way not considered constrained on what the options are when you get there so yeah it's a tough tough question i definitely like to go new places but um i've been doing this for quite a long time and uh there's not the, the areas in the world that have really good snow are sort of getting less and um, I've sort of been to most and Greenland I haven't been to, I'd love to go there that would be a really, really cool place to go and shoot um, snowboarding and stuff and then now with the sailboat that's that's why I started it, that's opening it that's, you know, there's a pretty lot of water on our planet and yeah. there's a lot of people that live in really, really remote places and um, with my little boat I can sort of get anywhere in the world and that's that's what's really inspiring me the last few years to go and go and document that sort of thing
0: During your career, you look constantly on look for great locations. And because of that, you literally view the world differently than the average person. You literally have a different lens, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, different lens of how (laughs) you see the world. So how has a life behind the camera? How does it change your outlook on life?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm me, right? This is what I've always done. I think uh, I would never would have been happy or fulfilled in a nine to five sort of life you know like i i'm prepared to take risks and and to live the way i want to live and i guess that is most of the reason why i got into photography but it's also the reason why i'm still doing it right it sort of trades off on itself um yeah i just sort of feel a lot of people are really scared to fail um but i sort of feel if you're scared to fail then you really can't win either in a way, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know if you don't fail, then you're not learning. You're not, you know, you're not pushing, you're not pushing yourself or finding where the limits are. And I've never been, been afraid to fail or try and learn something from making mistakes. And I think that has sort of, uh, helped me to continue doing what I'm doing and just, um, I guess that's my philosophy really is don't be, you know, like why, why feel bad if you do something that's a, that others perceive as a mistake it, to me I perceive it as well. All right, I won't do that again But now I know what I have to do to to succeed, right? So I don't know I just think uh, especially society and now with social media and all that it's like there's one way to do things and it should be this way and, and
0: yeah, I just don't really I've never really sort of subscribed to that that way of doing things wow, tremendous tremendous philosophy Uh Throughout your travels thus far, which are the locations that have produced the strongest emotions, the, the most powerful, indelible memories that you still think about? Um,
1: it's, I mean, there's a lot, but I mean, if to name a couple, definitely a trip to Iceland. Okay. I did with a um, Brazilian hippie friend of mine, Loic. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really, really talented uh, filmmaker. And we went there and rented a little car and got a little tent and mm-hmm. we landed on the longest day of the year it's like well it's obviously slight like yeah. all and our only tr- only rule of the trip was like if anyone either of us want to stop for any reason to film something or shoot something we do it doesn't matter what time of the day it is love that so we just spent two weeks cruising around pitching our tent whenever we were most of the time we were awake from i don't know two in the afternoon till four in the morning because it's like this pretty yeah. much Five or six hour sunrise, uh, sunset, going straight into a sunrise. Just incredible light. That was super memorable. That was ten years ago now, but it's uh, still. We both still sort of talk about it. And um, and then, yeah, I guess the most recent one would have been a couple of years ago when I was sailing alone through the Solomon Islands and uh, mm-hmm. didn't see another sailboat or or Western person in four or five months. And uh, that was incredible. Just um, really deep. Deep dive into different cultures that i hadn 't really you know like just incredible um, yeah really really life changing for me it sort of reinforced why I decided to buy a boat and teach myself to sail like that was my first sort of big all right uh, this is the reason you know
0: that was pretty cool did you get down to the, the southern part of Vic Beach, the black sand beach in Iceland
1: oh yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yep yeah. I've been to Iceland several times. Um, I love it it's one of my favorite countries but that particular trip just that we had we were there for two and a half weeks and had no jobs to do no agenda apart from just go around and film and photograph for ourselves I came back from there and I probably I probably benefited off the off the inspirations and the motivation for two or three years because of that trip you know and uh, yeah, it was just, it was just great, you know, like I've been back for work and everything, but that was just such a freedom trip, you know, like just for no other reason than the pure enjoyment of going and creating things for, our, for ourselves, you know?
0: Yeah. Terrific. Terrific. Your YouTube channel is Sailing Learning <laughs> by Doing. So what yep. can visitors of the channel expect?
1: Uh, well, first off, they can expect a new video nearly every week. I try and do every week, sometimes a bit hard with internet or just yeah. not having enough time to edit. Um, yeah, I guess I hope, uh, viewers get some inspiration and sort of see that, you know, you, you can do anything. You don't have to be constrained by, I don't know, like the general human being's vision of life is just, you know, I guess school, university, work, retire. And, you know, in between there can be a lot of different things going on that, that you know, it doesn't have to be just by the book sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. I try and um, just give a raw and honest account of not a, not a sort of diary of what we're doing, but just uh, I try and find stories, interesting things with locals, communities that we come across. Um, The reason for get for buying the boat was really to get to places that you can't get to as a tourist. You know, there's a lot of, small places out there that don't have water taxis or airstrips or things like that. And there are still places in the, in the world where people don't have phones and don't know what Instagram is. And when I say I'm making YouTube video, they just literally don't understand. And I mean, that's what I'm searching for to find places like that and to help out, you know, like uh, we do a few art um, little sort of fundraising events for little schools we see along the way, like um, introduce them to art and things like that. And sort of try and just document that and try and give something positive um, that people can maybe, you know, find some inspiration for. You don't, you don't have to just do what you, everyone else is doing, you know, there is this, this world is huge. There's a lot of people out there that don't have a choice in life. And a lot of people that do have a choice don't, don't realize they have a choice i don't make the most of that you know so i just try and show that a little bit and and yeah the beauty the beauty of what we're seeing the beauty of the people that we're coming across and um yeah i'm learning as we do it it's called learning by doing so editing video i've always been a stills photographer and i still am so filming which isn't that much different than photography in a way you can probably see from my videos that i'm a photographer i do a lot of static shots for example but editing was something i had to well, I'm still obviously learning, because it takes probably a lifetime to get really good at editing. But um, yeah, that's sort of what I hope people get out of my channel. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love the mindset too, of learning new things. How much sailing had you done before picking up the boat? I mean, the title is le- learning by doing. So how much did you know before?
1: Oh, zero, nothing. Wow.
0: Wow. Uh, the
1: boat I have now is my second boat. But uh, the first boat, um, no, I'd never been on a sailboat. I'd obviously been you know growing up in New Zealand on the beach I've been in little you know dinghies and, and small speed boats and things but no I'd never sailed uh, not even in a dinghy an optimist or something so that was jumping at the deep end for sure and, but it's not that it's not that hard it's uh like if you can think logically about how sails work in that that's sort of easy the maintenance and dealing with uh, you know like Keeping the boat running and safety, and checking in and checking out of remote countries and things like that—that's more difficult than actually sailing. Like, just getting somewhere with the wind is not that difficult. You know, if you're good at it, you might get there faster, but you you can still get there. um, (laughs) Eventually, yeah. 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 Well, if you spend you spend eight days getting from Australia to the Solomon Islands, you've got plenty of time. You've got nothing else to do but try to go a little bit faster right that's my goal (laughs) so you've got 24 hours a day to learn and improve there's nothing else to do (laughs) so that's sort of that's sort of good but um yeah (laughs) i love that always learning
0: so what's next what's the goals projects plans for 2021 for you
1: i'm still shooting snowboarding right now this winter obviously had to change things a little bit but it's okay. Everything's going pretty good. We're having a really good snow season in Europe. So, and I've been able to travel between Austria, Switzerland, France. I just came back from France this morning, um, be in Switzerland a few more days and go to Austria again. Um, so that's okay. And then hoping like in a perfect situation, I'll get back to my boat, uh, mid April after Easter sometime. And then, um, I don't really know. I mean, yeah, let's say in a perfect, if everything's back to normal, Oh, The boat's on land at the moment. I'll paint the bottom of it, put the propeller back on and chuck it in the water, load it up with stuff and then set sail. I'm really either Japan and then spend a year there, do a Mm. winter in the north of Japan and then Mm. sail up to Russia and across the little band of islands to Alaska and down through the US. That would be perfect or through the Solomons again to Australia and then over to New Zealand. I would love to sail to New Zealand. Um, So, yeah, either of those two would be magic if I can get either either of them do. But, but you know, I've been in Indonesia, sailing around Indonesia for three years now, and uh, it's quite possible to do another three years in Indonesia because I've only scratched the surface. There's so much to see. But, yeah, I am itching to do some longer distances, and Japan would be great because there's not many people sail there, and Mm -hmm. there's no YouTube... Stuff from there you know it'd be pretty cool and I, I do love japan i've been there many times snowboarding well like t- taking photos so it would be amazing to sail there so yeah i would say that probably would be my plan if things go back to normal
0: pretty quick well if, if you need someone to, to wash the deck or something in japan i'll be i'll, I'll swing by to go on that on that journey <laughs> with you
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you would be welcome mate. you've got a little space in the back of the boat you can sleep in there
0: <laughs> fantastic that, that would be, be an amazing trip how can people stay up to date with your journeys and just uh, your incredible life we have the YouTube channel learning sailing by doing but how else can they follow you
1: um, Instagram obviously uh, at Vernon Deck I don't use it that much anymore to be honest I just use it to promote my, the videos when they come out and do some stories I sort of feel like yeah, I'm a bit overwhelmed with all that stuff. um, I don't. I've never been part of Twitter. I don't like that too much. Actually, YouTube is the best place to be honest. Okay. Um, I sort of put a video out every week, and uh, yeah, that's the best place.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Go
1: go to go to YouTube. um, Subscribe there, and and just there's I think 135 videos now from my whole. Journey nearly since learning to sail. So there's a lot of uh, funny stuff in there for sure. So, um, if, if people were in lockdown, that's a good uh, place to, if you're sick of uh, Netflix or whatever, to go there and do some binge watching for sure.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I I'll I will be sure to subscribe myself here once we finish our conversation. I so admire your outlook on life. You are a nonconformist and you don't want the traditional life. And you've shown that, that you don't have to. You can go out and just explore and, and live. Oh, awesome. Thank you. I mean, depending on which religion you subscribe to i
1: didn't subscribe to any religion but i sort of feel like i don't really get a second shot at this so uh it's yeah exactly like live every day and um, enjoy every day you know because it's not just living but actually taking the time to enjoy being alive and and what we get to do you know it's amazing like
0: i, yeah, I couldn't have said better. thank you cool. for everything man. awesome
1: thank you. nice to talk to you cheers cheers eh? bye-bye
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Vernon. Be sure to check him out on Instagram or give him a follow on his YouTube channel, Sailing, Learning by Doing. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento.